cue fake podcast music. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know why I started it. It's okay. Hello and welcome to Michigan Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murders, mysteries, histories, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. There we go, Jen. Jen, what are you going to talk to me today? You had a very clever name. I thought it was very clever. Cereal that kills. (laughs) Cereal with a C, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about uh, Christina Harris, who was found dead in her Davidson home in 2014. That makes me uncomfortable as my daughter lives in Davidson. And this is not a finished case. Oh, shit. It's not a cold case, but it's not a finished case. So it's still ongoing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Okay, so I want to tell you about a lady that I saw... um, she was killed in Michigan, and it was part of another forensic files. You know, I like my forensic yeah, yeah, files. Yeah, I love those forensic files. Yeah. All right, go for it. Where okay. do you want me to go? Um, you know what? Do you want to know actually how I found her? It was not through forensic files, although I, I watch forensic files constantly. Mm-hmm. It was because I was going to do um, different king murders through October, either murderers or murders. And then I petered out after one. <laughs> <laughs> I went real hard and then died. <laughs> so I'll do, her name is Diane King. She was murdered in Michigan. The Forensic epi- uh, Files episode was named News at 11. Did you watch it? Oh, after that, yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, I wrote at the, uh, at the very end, I make a little note, was um, you might be too young to remember, but there was a newscaster for you know Detroit. I think he maybe was on like Channel 7 or something. His name was Mort Krim. Mort was his first name. Krim was his last name. Well, on the forensic file clip, all of a sudden, they show a clip of the newscaster, the news discussing Diane's death, and it's Mort Krim, and like, nostalgia is real. I was like, Mort Krim! It's Mort! Is he even still alive? Like, I started having all these, like, existential crisis moments. And so, yeah, just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I like, too, how you you talk like I'm so much younger than you. I love it. You're like eight years younger than I, I am. Have, no, and I it, don't think so. Yeah. Aren't you four years younger than your brother? No. Yeah, you are. Because no, I'm, I'm not. Aren't you? No, I'm two? not. No, I'm not. Is it two years? I'm, yeah, I'm 38. Oh, I thought you were four years younger. I'm 38 this okay. year. Because I thought I was And eight. then he's 40 this year. Yeah. No, he's already 40. Oh, he is 40. Yeah, he'll be 41 this year. And I'll be, I'm already, I'm 44, I'll be 45 on my next birthday, next year, next February. But yeah, um, so you are I cougared your brother. Gross. <laughs> 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 he likes it. <laughs> Do you, can we tell me your story first? Because I like the cereal. Because like, especially because you know, bitch, I eat cereal. I know, right? I eat a lot of cereal. When your brother was like, how did you stay alive before you met me? And I started cooking dinner for you. And you want to know what the answer was? What? Cereal. And did you, he doesn't have you eat that. So you don't eat it that much anymore, right? I actually mostly just eat dried cereal every day on the way to work. Well, you know, if he tries to feed it to you, you're going to die. He's probably trying to kill me, yeah. Although sometimes when he's just tired of my ass, he's like, you know, you could always eat cereal. And I'm like, shit. (laughs) (laughs) But tell me yours. So on September 29th, 
2014, Christina Harris, age 36, was found dead in her home in Davidson, Michigan. She was married to Jason Harris and had two kids. Most recent was born in May prior to her death. So like May of 18? Of 2013? Oh, 2013. Sorry, you said 14. Yeah. And at the time... It was initially ruled that it was an accidental overdose. Like, they believed she overdosed. On what? On some type of drug. Okay. I think it was heroin. Okay. And, no, 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 I'm sorry. No, it wasn't. Back up, people. Yeah. They believe she accidentally overdosed on cold medication okay, and I asthma was this... medication. Okay. Okay. okay? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that's where they were at. Okay. Case is done. Over with. Accidental overdose. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, during that period, you know, as they're thinking she just overdosed, a neighbor claimed Jason, her husband, had made a comment that his wife had been fighting a cold for a while and had to be treated for asthma. So the guy had this whole story. Okay. You know, she had been sick, taking all this medication, didn't roll it all up, overdose. Case is closed. Her husband, let's just get a little bit up from him, mm-hmm. he had been fired from his job for testing positive for drugs multiple times. Oof. He... Fed her cereal and milk the night before her death. And he, because of her death, collected 120000 in life insurance. Question. Did he normally feed her? Or did he be like, out of the blue, like, girl, let me get you some Captain Crunch and some milk? I don't think that it was ever said. Okay. You know, if that was unusual. Because, like, my husband cooks for me. Um, often, like, I'll wake up with a nap with low blood sugar and he already has food sitting on the table. He's so thoughtful. But I don't do the same for him. Like, he can wake up and not do there ain't shit. <laughs> that would be me if I was married. You can, like, you can leave you me fucking all, crawl to that yeah. shit. Get your own well, goddamn shit. you can leave shit. me all day and I'll never think to feed you. I don't cook in any way. I don't like it. I will eat. A, a stack of crackers is a meal. Like, you can't tell me different. I used to say, like, how did you feed yourself? I'm like, I snacked. Chips are real. You can eat cheese sticks. There's things that you don't need to work on. <laughs> right. Yeah, so if so I made your sure, brother yeah. if I made your brother food, that'd be weird as yeah, hell. Yeah, you're gonna murder him. Yeah, yeah, he should look out for that as a sign he's about to be murdered. But yeah. he makes me food totally normal. Yeah, so nothing was ever said about it. Like I don't remember reading anything that that was odd. Okay. I mean, obviously it wasn't too odd. They closed the case. Yeah, they didn't really question it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So So that's a little background on him. So I, as time goes on, so the case is closed, but people, the case is closed, and people still, a couple days after this happened, mm-hmm. start coming to the police with stuff. Really? Yeah. So Jason's brother and sister went to the police a few days after Christina's body was found, told the police Jason had made a comment about getting rid of Christina and how they both suspected him. Of seeing another woman. So his brother and sister said that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's not good. And then enter Jason's co-workers. Also had some things to say. One stated he offered them 5000 to kill his wife. 
and that he went on to tell a story about paying a man 5000 but the man got arrested for a parole, parole violation and before he, you know, didn't kill her because it was right before he was going to kill her. What? Yeah. So he was out that 5000 Others talked about how he inquired about what pills, you know, don't have a taste and don't have an odor. Oh, because he's trying to figure out what can yeah, he put. Yeah, what, what can he put in there? What can he put in there? So throughout, you know, so it's 2014, we're yeah. in 2019. Yeah. So at all this time, you know, police are investigating, you know, people are saying these things. Yeah. I mean, obviously... You know, you don't have all these people coming and saying these things if something isn't true. Yeah. So well, what gets me the most is his siblings. Oh, I know, right? Wow. Well, it doesn't mean you got to like your family. That's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, if my brother did something. Yeah. I, oh, I, oh I, if my if I thought he killed you, I'd mean that. I'd yeah. be like, you know, he said he was going to kill his wife. Yeah, I like, my, I like Jesse and Ben, so if my sisters killed them, I would have to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So on August 27th, so we're fast forwarding, yeah. August 27th, 2019, Jason Harris, who is, you know, 44 now, mm-hmm. was arrested and charged with three felonies, premeditated first degree murder, solicitation of murder, delivery of a controlled substance causing death because they believe he put heroin in her cereal and killed her. No. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I think this is a licitation one. That's where he asked the guy, and the guy didn't mm-hmm. do it. I wonder if the guy did was like, well, I didn't do it, so I didn't commit any crime, and I'll tell you what happened. Because I would. I think it's still a crime if you took the money in intent. It's intent to murder. Oh, shit, you're right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The dude's on parole, so who knows? I want to tell you um, about a woman who died. Because guess who did it, Jen? Who? Who, who always does it. It's always the husband. It's always the motherfucking husband. It's always the husband. It's always the fucking That's why, husband. And then, Except for look, remember you've that, been married wait twice. A minute. Yeah, I've been married twice because I like to live on the edge. Yeah. But let's not forget that one lady, though, that was a cold case where everybody blamed the husband. And even after, you know, there wasn't any evidence saying it was him, the whole Just family got fucked up. one out of, you know, a million to billion it was. trillion murders. You know what? Doesn't make, <laughs> like, you should give them the benefit of the doubt. Should, it wonder, is not guilt, you know, innocent till proven guilty. Yeah, I wonder if they have how many people convicted of killing their spouse because the number that killed their spouse is obviously going to be greater if you're never convicted. You know, there's people out there that killed their spouse that aren't convicted. Especially they're like, they were getting suspicious. Bob's, you know, so it's Bob's third marriage ending in death or whatever. Yeah, look at Bob. Okay. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? Okay, so I'm going to tell you about, um, oh, it was season nine, episode three of Forensic Files. So Diane King was born April 4th, 1956, and she was 34 years old in 1991 when she was living in Marshall, uh, Michigan. Diane was living with her husband and two children. Her daughter was like three months old at the time, and her son was like three years old. And I purposely left their names out. Just, just let them be. You know what I mean? They're so kind. Thank you. Tell everyone. They won't believe you, but tell everyone. diane's husband was bradford brad king and he was 44 years old see that's someone else marrying uh older person they married they've been married since 1984 so it's like seven years of marriage at this point Mm -hmm. diane was a morning news reporter for the station wuhq 
TV in Battle Creek, and the call letters, call letters of the station have changed. There's no longer a station called that anymore. And the way the story goes, from what I could read from the articles, I think they lived in Marshall in a rural, in a, like a really rural house in Marshall, Michigan. But they had a townhouse in Battle Creek they stayed in when she was working. Like, I think she often stayed at the townhouse and, and then would drive on the weekends or whatever. So she began receiving letters to the news station from a male fan. And the fan stated that he was looking to break into the news industry and he wanted to get into contact with Diane. And when he didn't receive communication from Diane, the letters became harassing and threatening. And the news station increased their security. And Diane and her family put security measures up around their home, including like an exterior motion um, sensitive lights and a guard dog. And one of the letters I saw was that um, you would think of the typical like cryptid note, cryptic note with the magazine letters cut out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love those. And um, a specialist on the show mentioned that cut out letters, that cut out letter technique is only um, seen because I thought. I was questioning, like, that's you only see that in TVs, in TV and movies, right? I thought it's always real. No. So I thought, this is what I'm thinking. And sure enough, later on, the guy's like, well, only 1% of threatening letters are you know, that are received are in the cutout pieces. Okay, uh, but, yeah. so, what's the point of... <coughs> Sorry, of I've had the, a, I have a cold. All that, there's... No, that one percent, and those one percent are normally who? No, it doesn't say. But I just thought, oh, okay, I thought it was weird. And the guy's like, he's like, you know, we thought it was kind of weird to receive a threatening letter like this. Only one percent are that way, and I'm like, I thought so too. See, I thought there was a lot like that. Oh, really? I just thought it looked super cool. I didn't think everybody was doing it. <laughs> so the letters in this note spelled out the sentence: "You should have gone to lunch with me." And that letter had been placed directly in her mailbox. Letting Diane know that the man knew where she lived. And then there was evidence that someone had entered their home due to a broken window pane on their door. But nothing was removed from the house. So on Saturday, February 9th, 1991, Brad came home from jogging and he found Diane dead in the driveway from a gunshot wound. So that day, Diane was supposed to drop her children off at her mom's house and then spend the weekend with Brad. So she was... She was driving to drop the kids off. We're going to come back and spend time with her man. But one of the children ended up being sick, so she just brought them both back with her. She got there when the kids were sick and was like, ah, screw it. Everybody went back home. So she was lying next to the car, which still had her kids in it. And both the kids were physically fine but scared. So the autopsy revealed that Diane had been shot twice with a twenty-two rifle. One of the bullet wounds came from a slightly downward angle entering just above her breast and exiting out mid to low of the shoulder blade of her, it's a, her left breast. And the second bullet came from a different direction entirely. And that body a bullet entered just above her pubic bone and then traveled mm -hmm. up through her body and was found by her collarbone. So she, so okay. So the investigation yeah, concluded that the evidence shows the following scenario. The shooter is somewhere elevated from her position, and she's standing at this point. And when he, she's facing him, and he shoots once, the bullet enters her chest and exit out, exits out her back. Mm -hmm. Then she falls to the ground, so her feet are pointing now toward him. She's no longer facing him. And he shoots again. The shooter comes in, though, closer, and they lay prone on the ground. So they're... Um, 
Well, that's a lot of work to yes. shoot her the second time. Shoots her the second time, and then the bullet travels through her body, up her body, from her, basically right by her vagina to her collarbone. So. Well, he's making a point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, making sure she's dead because you shot her, then came, laid down on the ground, got in position, and shot her again. So the investigators, <laughs> I don't know why, investigators concluded the evidence shows the following scenario. Oh, yeah, fuck it, I did that one. So from the position of Diane's body, the police can determine that the initial shot came from a nearby barn at the end of Diane's drive. On the second level of the barn, a twenty-two casing was found. And they used a laser level and a model um, the same size as Diane, providing a second indicator of the shooter's location. So since very little time had passed between the shooting and police arriving, they called in scent dogs to track the perpetrator. Because what I should have told you was um, Diane's husband is an ex-police officer. So the police came quickly when he calls. So the dog should be able to track the gun smell and the adrenaline-fueled uh, shooter. So the dog follows the path across the field. Then he goes over a footbridge. Then he takes a shark left to this creek. And that's where the um, police found a twenty-two rifle with the butt end sticking out of the water and its muzzle. And at this point, when I'm filling out this article, I'm sick. I've been sick. I was sick. And I couldn't remember what the muzzle was called. And I wrote down at one point, um, the bang, bang shooting end <laughs> was deep in the mud. <laughs> I like that. I was sick. I was like, what part of it? The bang, bang shooting end. <laughs> so um, seven spent casings were also in the creek bed nearby. And when they tested the gun, the casings matched the firearm, but they couldn't match the bullets because they were damaged from the impact of Diane's body. So when investigators asked Brad where he was when the murder occurred, Brad showed the officers his jogging route. At this point, officers determined that Brad would have seen the attacker because the dog showed them where the attacker had run. And Brad's like, oh, I ran here. And they're like, you guys would have crossed paths. You guys would have run into each other if you, were, if you guys really ran this way. So they were also able to find twenty-two caliber bullets in the King house, although Brad denied owning a gun, a twenty-two caliber gun. So those bullets, though, didn't match the ones in the creek, the bullets that they found in the house. There was also a cleaning rod in the house used for twenty-two rifles. A woman who cleaned the King house testified that she did see a rifle on the bar in the basement several times previously. When they looked at the marriage between Brad and Diane, they found that he was abusive. Brad was also unfaithful to Diane. He had a hard time um, retaining a job since he had married Diane, serving as a police officer over a decade before they were married. So Brad was currently working as a part-time instructor in the field of criminal justice at Western Michigan University. And Diane was known to have like a really strong personality and trying to push Brad into better things, you know, trying to get him to do stuff. So the police decided to look a little closer at the threatening um, letter found at Diane's house, but they couldn't find any fingerprints on it. And they couldn't match any materials at Brad's office at the university. Mm -hmm. So then a couple weeks before the murder, you remember the, they had the break-in in the home. They thought it was the stalker. Well, suspiciously enough, that broken glass was on the outside of the home, as if somebody was inside and broke the glass out to make it look like there was broken glass. Yeah. So a man moving into the King neighborhood found a twenty-two rifle in his attic, and it was identical to the gun that was used to shoot Diane, the one that was found in the mud. So this guy just all of a sudden buys so, a house. Yes, and finds this, this okay. rifle. Well, they think later on, they're talking about it, they think Brad plants it in the empty house that he knows is empty because he wants to draw suspicion away from himself. 
So he's like, here he takes the identical gun and plants it somewhere else. Hey, the shooter could have come by the empty house and set it up there for all we know, right? So there was a letter with magazine cutouts sent to the prosecutors threatening them. So like the threat threat guy didn't stop, right? So they received threatening phone calls about the case, all from one person. Prosecutors believe it was all done by Brad. He's trying to conv- uncreate like reasonable doubt in the jury's mind. So investigators believe that the empty casings in the creek stem from bad, Brad taking practice shots and lining up the site for his rifle. And that he used the creek by his house as a dump site. They also thought that Brad shot Diane. So he thought they thought he was gonna shoot her and then just leave her there, come you know, create an alibi. Come back hours later, find her. Well, she brought back the kids instead. So he shoots her, goes to check to make sure she's dead, and the kids are crying in the car. Well, she had left the door open to the car, and it's freezing outside. And if he leaves them out there too long, the kids are going to, you know, suffer from exposure because it's too cold for them to be out there. So now he's got to hurry up and think of what can he do. Oh, he can say I was out jogging. So he hurries up, runs around real quick, comes back so he's out of breath, and quote-unquote, discovers Diane. But the kids didn't see what happened? It's a three-year-old and a one-year-old? Nope, oh. and they're strapped in their chairs. You know how that is. Mm-hmm. And Or, sorry, a three-month-old and a three-year-old. So, okay, so, yeah. So he hurried, He realized he can't leave the babies in the car, and they think that that's why he hurries up and does mm-hmm. this. So he's convicted in December of 1992 of homicide, open murder, and felony firearms weapons, and he was sentenced in January of 1993 to life in prison. According to Otis, he is now 72 years old, and he's still serving time at the Thumb Correctional Facility in Lapeer, Michigan. Hmm. And, yeah, guilty, 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 Brad. Brad is crazy. Yeah, former cops. They say, actually, one time I, I, didn't, I didn't realize what I was saying, I'm talking to this former co-worker when I worked at the hospital and her husband was a cop. And she was one of those women that were like crazy jealous. And they say that, and at one time I was like, oh yeah, they say that a, a man who's a police officer is the man with the um, profession that's most likely to be unfaithful. And it just set off all her alarm bells. She's mm-hmm. the type, like if, if you went to, if you went to Dunkin' Donuts with her and if she felt like the Dunkin' Donuts cashier was too friendly, she's the type to lean across the car like, why so friendly, bitch? Like, oh, yeah, wow. crazy shit. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to do a funny Yelp review of the Detroit Zoo. Are you ready? <coughs> Sorry about the plague cough. I'm sick of shit. Okay. Yelp for the Detroit Zoo. Christopher S. Three stars. I did reduce it for time. It says, if you gave this zoo five stars, this is the only zoo you've been to. This is not a five-star zoo. I was like, geez. <laughs> Long lines to get in. Not a big deal, but multiple kiosks would greatly cost for the uh, greatly cut cost for the zoo and speed up wait times. Maybe it's so great. That's why there's long lines. Right. Or I thought maybe don't try to get in there when you first get in. I mean, if you stagger, you know. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. All right. Long lines. Oh, yeah. Things you must see. One, penguin exhibit is awesome. You get an underwater and above water experience. Two, dinosaur exhibit. Cost $6 per person. While short, our son loved it. The movements and size are pretty neat to experience. Three, butterfly exhibit. Again, short and sweet, but still good. Four, the 4D movie experience we loved. We watched sea monsters. They spray water at you and shake your seat. It was fun. That's about all you get, folks. The polar bear exhibit has been under construction forever. All other big animal exhibits are a joke. Very outdated, small, and hard to see. Signs! 
all capital, two exclamation points. I'm sorry, three. I can't say it enough. The signage, maps, or lack thereof is atrocious. <laughs> you would come to a major fork in the road and just stand there. Which way to go? Every sign would clearly point you to an exit. The signs themselves are not placed correctly. They are off to the side instead of right in front of you. It is unbelievable how poor the signs are. We asked an employee where the exit was. He said, at the front of the zoo. LOL. <laughs> really? <laughs> While looking at the sign, you can't even tell where to go because of the position, rendering them useless. Useless! <laughs> they don't sell bottled water, so bring your own. Yep, they sell you pop or Gatorade. They only have water in the Detroit <laughs> squeeze bottle. They tell you that they have, quote, free fill-up stations around the park. Um, You mean the water, or you mean the drinking fountains, LOL? And I just want to stop here and say, yeah, motherfucker, that is a free place to get water. It's called a, a water fountain, and you fucking put stuff under there, and you get water, and it fills up with water. Yeah. It's a water fountain. Don't be an asshole. And it's probably better for the environment that you don't have 90 little fucking, you know, Aquafina bottles everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'll stop my rant now. <laughs> so, last thing he said is, People will continue to come here, and they should at least once. However, we need to get our act together as a zoo or move it. Just my two cents. What do I know anyway? Well, Christopher S., what the fuck do you know? I agree. Shut up. Don't like your opinion. Bye-bye now. I just felt he was a dickhead. I'm going to tell you. You also don't like the sign you're about to bitch? That I've been to the Detroit Zoo. Yeah, I've been to the Detroit Zoo. I usually go to the Toledo Zoo. Yeah. I went there once, And too. I always thought, oh, I'm just partial to that because I'm from Ohio. Yeah. I went to the Detroit Zoo, yeah. and I seen a peacock. Yeah. There was an, I, it's a beautiful zoo. Yeah. It's got, like, nice little trails. I mean, great place. Yeah. You walk miles uh -huh. and see no animals. Yeah. It was the worst experience. Like, do they own animals? Okay. Do they live there? I don't like animals in the zoo. I don't like animals being in the zoo. I don't like anything being in the zoo unless it's sick and needs to live in the zoo or somehow is endangered and needs to live in the zoo. Otherwise, we're just imprisoning animals so okay. we can look at them. I, I paid 30-some dollars to see imprisoned animals, which I did not see. Well, that's your own damn fault. I'm just saying. So I agree with you. Like, <laughs> there was some shit about that zoo. Now, there's other people since you know I've been that mm -hmm. tell me all these great things. But mm -hmm. maybe it's the month I go. I go in August. I don't know. The last time I went to the zoo my, was 10 years ago. I, I went to Toledo Zoo because my daughter hadn't been to the zoo, and I figured we're done now. <laughs> That's my last zoo. I don't have to see any zoos. Mm. But here's Jack G, who gave it four stars. So, very nice zoo. About what you would expect from a mid-sized mid metropolitan area. Reasonably priced. Although the zoo is a modest size, several of the exhibits are quite impressive. The butterfly habitat is one of the better ones, and a must-see. Many helpful staffs and volunteers to assess you. I did see the butterfly exhibit. It is nice. I went to the butterfly the exhibit in Toledo and I thought it was cute. I like the birds too there in the Detroit. I haven't been to the Detroit But other than they don't have any decades. other animals but peacocks. Right. <laughs> so you've been listening to Michigan Other Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Connect with us at michiganothermayhem.com to join the conversation. Listen to the podcast. Access show notes. Find sign links. Site, site links, not sign links. Okay. You got me all signs! I know signs, motherfucker! Correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, or YouTube. Bye-bye now.